All right, welcome back to the Pure Means Hope podcast, where we take storytelling to a whole new level by sharing amazing patient stories, interview experts in the community, and share resources for clinicians and students. I'm your host, Mercia Martin, and tonight we have Tamika McNair with us. Hi, Tamika. Hello. I am so excited to be here. I am doing amazing. This is the middle of the week. Uh, we made it. Um, yes. I am. I'm feeling really good. I'm very excited about meeting with you today and just sharing uh, a bit of my world and hopefully inspire a, a couple of people to, to have hope in the midst of whatever they may have going on. Love it. Love it. So Tamika, can you get started by telling us a little bit about yourself? Like where you're from? What do you do for a living? Absolutely. Um, So I have to start off by saying I am a woman of faith who leads with compassion, empathy, and love for all of humanity. I am a single mother of 16-year-old twin boys. Um, Birthing them allowed for me to experience what it means to uh, experience true love. I am an engineer uh, committed to demystifying what does it mean to be an engineer? As I don't necessarily look like the pictures of somebody went and did a, a search on the internet, uh, you may not see me show up. And so I, I really like to be intentional about um, demystifying what does that mean? I am a trailblazer and a change gadget. I am the first for many things in my life, many things pertaining to my family. I am purpose driven. Uh, So my purpose slash mission statement is to empower everyone that I encounter to become the best versions of themselves and to discover purpose. It is really my compass that I use when I'm thinking about what does my career look like and where do I engage and spend my time. And last but not least, uh, I am most recently, as of November 22nd, um, 2022, which was also my birthday, I am an author uh, of a book (laughs) that I wrote that's titled Conquering Uncertainty, Don't Concede Too Soon, Your Victory Awaits You. And so in that, I share my journey of uh, about seven different stories where I had to conquer uncertainty and then giving people hope and tools that they can use in order to conquer the moments of uncertainty that they have in their life. So that's who I am. (laughs) Now let's talk about where am I from? I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, born and raised um, and spent all of my early years there. And then uh, I have moved to, I think I'm at five states now. Uh, that I lived in and so most recently um, in Texas. So excited to been, be here. It has been great experience so far. Wow, that's um, I'm so excited to hear more and more. Like as every word you're saying, I'm just so drawn in. Um, so let's start with, you say you're in Wisconsin, that's where you're born. Uh, can you talk to us through, like, how did you move from one state to another? Like, where your journey kind of starts? Ooh, okay. We're going to go deep for a minute, it looks like. <laughs> All right. So uh, I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, in a single-parent household where my mother uh, was a single mother of four children. I am number three. 
So I have two older brothers and a younger sister. And we grew up in a poverty-stricken neighborhood. My mom definitely had, did the best that she could with what she had in her hands. But um, most of our life was spent on, you know, her trying to make ends meet, whether that's been on welfare or Section 8 or any of those things to try to provide for her children. And so um, my father wasn't around. Uh, and so what, what she put into us, which was to make sure that we knew that we were enough and to dream big. And so that's what I did. And so I remember at a very young age, I was about seven years old, I made a declaration and I said, my life will be different than the environment that I grew up in. Now, I know you may say seven is pretty young. <laughs> Yes, but I definitely had a lot of wisdom and I would definitely say that even for the age that I'm at now, that wisdom continues to carry with me. And so my big driver was to be in a different environment, have a different environment for my children. So what that meant is I participated in a lot of events and activities that people in my community uh, did not find of interest. So one of the fun facts about me is um, I was in the orchestra. So I played the cello for about seven years and I played the harp for about four. And oftentimes when I say that, people are like, what? Because you don't typically see that. But I was always very intentional about um, exploring and seeing what more I could do. So when it came time for me to graduate from high school, uh, my rationale behind what school I would go to was really on the premise of how far away can I get away from Wisconsin and still study the, the path that I wanted to because I knew that had I stayed in that environment that more than likely I would become a product of my environment. And so I made the decision to leave and move to Arizona at that time, which was the farthest away, um, where I uh, stayed there for about eight years. And um, I got my undergrad in industrial engineering with a focus in human factors. And then I also have a minor in African-American studies from there. So that's the move first. Then we went and spent some time in Indiana. I was pursuing uh, a PhD in engineering education. I put that on hold after about a year uh, with me raising the twins and they were still pretty young at that point. I'm like, let me go and use my engineering degree. At some point, I will go back and finish that. Uh, then we made a move to Washington State uh, so spent some time in the beautiful Seattle area, almost about four years there. And then most recently to Texas. And Texas for me, this is place is pretty special. Uh, it symbolizes me physically stepping into purpose. So about 10 years prior to me moving here, I, I visited Texas. And this was the first state in the U.S. where when my feet touched the ground, I physically felt purpose. The only other place that I have felt that at is when I took my trip to Paris, which was a dream trip for me. And so 
me moving here was that like that was what I was anchoring to now the interesting thing is is that since I made that move to physically step into purpose everything about my life has begun to align including my work and where I'm spending my time and energy and so it's it's truly been an amazing journey I that is like well, I'm like drawn, so drawn to it. Did you always know you wanted to be an engineer? <laughs> okay. See, just, we're going to have some fun tonight. I see. <laughs> so actually, initially, I wanted to be a doctor. And how I was exposed to engineering was um, when I was in high school, I was a part of the Marquette Upward Bound program, who definitely played a very vital role in my life. Uh, the program was geared towards first generation graduates and what they would do is every summer they would have us stay on campus for six weeks. We would take classes, they would expose us to careers and I remember in one of the sessions we had a black female who was an engineer and that was actually my first time even hearing or knowing that engineering was a path. And so as she began to talk about her journey, I'm like, okay, I think that's it. And so that was the initial spark for me. And so when I went to Arizona State, I was actually focused on biomedical engineering first because I'm like, okay, I didn't do the doctor route. So let's go into biomedical engineering. And then I realized that um, I'm not the type of person, I don't get the personality to uh, sit behind a screen for a very long time. I need to be out and interacting with people. And so I made the pivot to industrial engineering, which to me is like, it brings the best of both worlds, in my opinion. It gives me this technical amplitude so I can dig deep technically if I need to. My problem solving skills, you can put me in anything and I will figure it out. But then also this people slash business perspective, right? Because typically industrial engineers, they're really good at seeing the big picture and creating processes and steps to help realize whatever this big picture goal that has been created. Wow. Because you said uh, industrial engineering as a major and you said with a human factor. Yes. Okay, so can you describe a little bit more about like what, what exactly does that mean? Absolutely. So the human factor piece is, is to say, hey, when we're building a tool, product, etc. We can't just be so focused on that particular thing that we miss the human mm -hmm. aspect of it. So everything that we do should be centered around the human. What is it that they need? How would this solve a challenge that they have? Why does this challenge mm -hmm. exist? What are future challenges that we should be thinking about as they engage with this tool or product that we can plan for in the development cycle of it? So again, it's this very human-centered focused on things. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. And then you mentioned, so as you were studying and then all of you moved, did you have the twins before you were in college or after college? Or at what, at what point did you have them? Oh, my goodness. Okay. This is when I make the plug. I would love for everybody <laughs> to go and read my book. Uh, because I yes. talk a great deal about that journey. Um, but actually, I had the twins in the middle of engineering school, which is crazy when I think about it, right? 
And so my journey is far from typical in any type of way. So I had these babies in the middle of engineering school. Uh, and so for me, instead of it taking me four or five years to finish, it actually took me eight years to finish my degree. And what I learned about that chapter is it's not about it being a sprint. What really matters is that you get to your destination. And so early on, I had to recognize the importance of not comparing myself to others around me, but staying true to my goal because that was what was important to me, right? And it was also me honoring the commitment that I made to my seven-year-old self. And it was extremely challenging to, to say the least, but it was possible. Wow. Did you at some point in those eight years thought about like giving up and then like not finishing that degree? Oh, absolutely. There were moments that it got hard, but not moments where I was willing to give up because after I had my twins, the fight became greater, right? No longer was I trying to fulfill the, the mission of my seven-year-old self, but also these two boys who I birthed, who did not ask to be in this world, right? So there was a greater level of responsibility that I put on myself in order to obtain it because they were now watching and I didn't want them to have to go through the things that I went through growing up. So I had the boys in the middle of um, engineering school, six weeks after I had them, one of my babies had a massive stroke. So now uh, I am in school. I am a new mother to these twin boys. And then my baby have this uh, health incident that quite yeah. frankly took me down a very dark journey in many different ways. Starting with the fact that when he had the stroke, it was really unbelievable. Uh, it scared the life out of me. The first chapter in my book is titled Devastation. I thought I was going to lose my mind. I really mean that. That was definitely the lowest point in my life. And I thought that I was going to lose my mind after my baby had experienced that. And to hear the doctor say that he has potentially 24 hours to live. And if he lived, he would be in a vegetative state potentially. And so um, really during that time is when I anchored to my faith, because I can definitely tell you with all assurance that my baby is a miracle, which you know him all too well, right? So, and then there was a whole lot of other things that impacted that journey um, that made things very challenging. And at many points in the journey, I could have given up, uh, but I chose not to. And so um, what I've learned is that when you have a dream for real, you don't let anyone or anything stop that. And quite frankly, if I had to wait another eight years to complete it, I would have stayed until I obtained the dream and goal that I had set out for myself. Right. And a lot of times when things get hard for us, the easy thing is to throw up your hands and say, you know what? That's it. It yeah. takes a different type of perseverance and faith to keep on going, even when the things around you are falling apart. 
Now, what I can say is that when I look back on that chapter, sometimes I don't even understand how I got through it. Because in the midst of all of those things happening, short time after that, I became a single mother. So I have been raising these twins by myself for an extremely long time. Um, my baby with the health challenges, we had multiple different doctors from neurologists and physical therapists and occupational therapists, speech therapists, the list goes on and on. And in the midst of all of that, I never stopped my education. There were times where I had to take classes online or I could only take one or two at a time, which also explains why, you know, my time took a little bit longer to complete. In addition to that, there were some of my classes that were extremely hard, but it took me three times, not just one, not just two, three times to pass at times. And so I have practiced, right, leaning in when things are hard and being relentless about pursuing them. Now, one more thing about that, that chapter in my life, uh, and then I'll pause. What keeps me humble, there was a railroad track from where I lived and where the school campus was. And I remember me having to push the twins in a double stroller across the railroad tracks as I was finishing out that semester. Because at that time, I didn't have a car. We were living in the apartment. I was on Section 8, all of those different things. And I remember crossing that and the tears just rolling down my eyes because I'm like, okay, it won't always be like this. And so oftentimes I will go back to that picture in my head, even as I'm navigating my career and my life and I'm reminded, right, of those moments of where I started and where I am now and hopes of inspiring others along their journey as well. I think it's like such a definition of like what perseverance is like, you know, just not just having the twins while in school, but also dealing with the medical challenges. And when you say that you had to retake some classes up to three times, that's the definition of like resilience. Oh my goodness. You know, at the very beginning, when you were describing yourself and you mentioned you being a mother, you said that like birthing the twins, what like showed you the definition of like true love can you expand a little bit about that like what does like motherhood means to you oh my goodness right <laughs> what you experience when you have a child i don't know if i can even fully articulate it in words so the best way that i can describe it is this pure unconditional selfless free love that you're given, right? The boys would look in my eyes and I would find joy and hope, right? Because what they didn't see or didn't hold against me were the flaws that I may have saw about myself. But their love was so pure that it allowed for me to see beyond that. And so looking at my babies was often the motivation for me to say, you know what? If you can experience this type of love from two human beings, you surely can love yourself in that way and you can show that love to other people. Wow. Wow. And another way that you also describe yourself at the beginning, that's actually the first way you describe yourself is you said, I am a woman of faith. 
So how does how does your faith inform like your career and your choices and your decisions? Listen, I would not be in front of you today talking and sharing my story if it had not been for my love for Christ and his love for me. And I will never, ever deny that. Because when I look at my life and all of the things that I have been through, there is evidence after evidence that there was someone with much greater power who was orchestrating on my behalf. And so everything that I do is led through my faith, right? I want to show love. I will be kind, right? I'm going to encourage. And so it is, it's the essence of who I am, right? Oftentimes I hear people tell me, they're like, Tamika, it's something about your energy. And I don't care if I am in public or if I'm in a meeting and I could be in a meeting where we're talking about like very tough things or very technical things. And that's often, you know, what people say. And what I anchor it to is, oh, they see the light, right? They see the Holy Spirit within me. And so that's what I take it as. And, you know, I know that some people may not have the same spiritual journey and that's okay, right? Because what I've also learned is that we have to learn how to be and to become. And the same thing for others, right? We have to learn how to give people space to be who they are and to become whoever they are, right? So we should be able to coexist. You can have your view on things, I can have mine, but it doesn't have to change the love that we have for one another. Oh, that's like very uplifting. So you talked about your career, you talked about your choice to go into engineering and then like raising the twins. Um, what does that look like now? So are you like working full time and also still raising them? Do you work from home and how do you balance all of that? Oh my goodness. I love this. This is just such a great <laughs> conversation that we're having tonight. <laughs> so I have to start off with saying my North Star is to become a Fortune 100 CEO, which I don't know is quite an audacious goal. And quite frankly, there are not a lot of people uh, that look like me who have sat in that role. And so my why for becoming a CEO has nothing to do with the money. Quite frankly, it has nothing to do with the power. For me, it really has to do with the visibility. So if I have to take this journey, hard as it has been at points in time, and I get there and I can inspire one person, to go after their dreams, despite how far-fetched they may seem, it was worth it all and I would do it again, right? And so my why is truly anchored into being a servant of others. How can I help others see the light when they can't see the light in themselves, right? Yeah. See the path when there's no path that's ever been shown to them, right? And so that is my big why. So. With that journey of me becoming a CEO, a several years ago, I had a mentor tell me that, hey, if that's the path that you want to take, then it's going to be very important for you to diversify your portfolio. And so if you look at my resume and my experience, it is truly diversified intentionally, right? Because I remember 
years ago, people were like, well, you're not afraid to be seen as a job hopper. I'm like, no, this isn't a job hopper. This is actually very intentional because I understand that when I sit at a CEO seat, that I have to have a breadth of knowledge to make informed decisions about an area. And yes, I will have a team of people who will be subject matter experts in those spaces, but for me to have the visibility is really important. So with that, I have done, I think it's five industry switches and 10 discipline switches. And so I have done everything from traditional engineering roles to compliance and controls, to audit, to IT operations, you name it, right? Right. So right now I have the honor of having the best job I have ever had in my life. It's the closest thing to purpose in my career that I ever had. And so I am working at Microsoft where I am a director focused on the digital employee experience. And one of the tools that is my baby, I can talk about it all day, is Viva which is Microsoft's employee experience tool. And so when you think about kind of the theme with me talking and being people obsessed and wanting to serve, this is the best place that um, I could have set in. And so I absolutely love my job. I have made five different pivots within Microsoft alone, and it has just been such a great journey for me. Wow. I want to go back to when you mentioned, you talked about your vision to be a CEO of a Fortune $500 company. And you talked about how a huge reason for that is the visibility of like you, like knowing that there's not a lot of people that look like you in those positions. Can you expand a little bit more about that and what, what that experience is like to be in environments where people around you don't really look like yeah, you? Another great question, right? Um, and I'll tap on another chapter in the book too, that's titled imposter syndrome. You have no room in my life, which is key, I believe, right? Cause when I think about my career, my journey, I have often been the only in the room. And sometimes when you're the only, it doesn't necessarily feel good. If these environments wasn't set up for me to succeed, if there is unconscious bias that exists, it makes the journey harder. And so I understand the importance of seeing someone that looks like you obtaining positions, because if you can just see it, you know that it's possible. And let me go back to uh, the lady that I mentioned early on, who was an engineer, who was teaching me at that uh, Upper Bound program that summer, right? I connected and I said, oh, if she could do it, I could do it too. And to be honest with you, when things got really, really hard for me along that journey of finishing my engineering degree, I would often go back to it and I'm like, no, there was somebody that looked like me that was able to obtain. So sometimes I think we can under, un, underestimate the power of seeing it, right? Because oftentimes when people see it, they can then believe it. And so uh, this journey, it, it has not been the easiest with being the only at times, right? I remember 
early in my career, me going into environments and questioning whether I belonged. And although I had my engineering degree, I have my MBA, right? I had all of these other things, but there was still doubt because I'm like, well, will people receive me? Will they recognize my value? Is my work, my voice worth being heard? All of these questions that are connected to imposter syndrome. So that chapter in my book was so critical because if you looked at me a couple of years ago, you wouldn't have found this actualized version of myself because it was a journey to get here. And what I had to reconcile with is that the fact that I am enough and I deserve to be at the table, right? I've earned my way to the table Right. And really focused on giving myself confidence around the things that I had already accomplished to date. And so those were really, really critical with me getting to where I am and with where I'm going. Wow. That's that whole conversation. One, it's a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, but two, that's that whole conversation, I think, is very uplifting. And I agree with you that it's something that people may not realize has like a huge importance. Um, but like you say, if you just see it, then you know that it's possible. And so that, I think that's very, very important. What are some like key milestones you've had throughout your whole journey? Like, what are you most proud of? Oof. Okay, I, I definitely have to start with my babies. They are the biggest, most proudest moment that I have. And although I had them at a time where I was totally not expecting, like they were an utter shock and surprise to say the least. <laughs> and I remember even that whole moment of me finding out and, uh, you know, the woman asked me, she's like, well, what does this look like to you? I'm like, a face. She's like, no, that's not a face. These are two eggs. I said, what? Right? But they are truly uh, my greatest accomplishment. They are the best part of me, quite frankly. So I have to start there. I think the second biggest accomplishment is me obtaining my engineering degree which I told you was extremely, extremely hard to do, but I was able to do it. Uh, and then to go on and get my MBA, which was another big milestone. Um, let's see. Another milestone is just the opportunity uh, to show up and to be of service to as many people as I can. I remember when I finished that engineering degree, I was like, okay, to make a this degree isn't just for you. It isn't just for the twins. It's for everybody, including single mothers, single fathers, and whoever else who weren't able to obtain their dreams and their desires based on their circumstances. And so the weight of me finishing that expand way beyond the Tamika and, and the, the, the twins and the accolades that I have today. Amazing milestones. And I love that the first one that you said was the twins. You know, it's it's like it really shows, I think, like with everything that you're saying, all of your values are really like transpiring and all of that. Um, now being like where you are, um, are you still, is your family still in Wisconsin? Like, do you still like connect with them and uh, return there? And what does that look like? Yeah. 
That's interesting. So actually, um, when we moved to Texas, this was the first time in 20 years that I lived in the same state with biological family. So when I left, I left for real, but I am so blessed because everywhere that I have went, God has given me surrogate families. And so I've never felt like I have lacked or missed anything. And to be quite honest with you, this is new for me of being back in the same state with my family, uh, you know, after such a long period of time. So I'm working through what does that mean? The twins and I have gotten very accustomed to it being the three of us. Like we have our regimen. Uh, the boys are a lot like me. We're low maintenance, right? Very, very chill. Yes, and all of those things. And so to begin to allow others back into the space again, it, it's been different, but yet important, right? Because the boys are learning a lot from this experience. And I'm also getting a chance to see how they are processing the values that I have put in them over the last 16 years. And it's been really interesting because when they see things that don't allow with the values that I've put on the inside of them, they are quick to bring them up to me and say, mom, help me understand, right? This isn't making sense. And so for me, that's like a great, you know, mom moment because it's like, all right, they're getting it, right? I know that when they are ready to leave the nest, they'll have the essentials that are needed in order for them to go and conquer their dreams. I'm a principles person. So everything that I do, even if I have to, you know, uh, discipline the twins for something, it is all about principle. And usually the principles are things that they will have to use in their adulthood, like accountability. So we addressed early, early on lying. I'm like, you have to take accountability for your actions. You always tell the truth. Right. So you get in trouble with me if you don't do those things. And so the twins learned early on. So they would do things that they weren't supposed to do, but they would come to me and say, Mom, I did this. And I said, you know what? I respect that you're taking accountabilities for your actions. So actually, your punishment may not be what it would have been had you made different choices. And so that's just one of the examples. That's and that's I think that's a great principle to really teach. I think like how you having that journey like makes you very intentional with what you teach them and I can really see like this shine through as like you speak but then also like knowing your son I can really see that like in action in the way that he acts and the way that he is and like attest to everything that you're saying truly. Um, I love how you speak about your book and I cannot wait to get my hand on it and like read all of this. Um, so if you had to like name this current chapter of mm. your life and if it was a book, what would this chapter mm. be called? What would I call this chapter? That's a hard one. Um, I got it. Endless possibilities. That's what this chapter would be called. Yeah. Because the way that things are falling together in my life when it comes to my career, the fact that I am showing up in an authentic way, which is so important to me, 
where I am making impact in the lives of others. Um, as I think about some of the things that I'm doing outside of my day-to-day -day job, like my book, I've also started doing some workshops that uh, also pivots off of my book, like conquering uncertainty in your career and conquering uncertainty every day. And so I feel so grounded. I feel so blessed to have uh, the direct leadership chain in the chain, my skip level above my manager, that it is just really, really rewarding for me. And I'm feeling like I can show up and be who it is I decide to be. And so um, that's why I would say that's what this chapter will be called. And less possibilities. I love it. I love it. And if you could go back and tell like your, let's do seven-year-old self, because seven-year-old was that age where like you really like, if you could go back and tell your seven-year-old self one thing, what would you tell her? What would I tell her? Huh. I would tell her that you are capable of achieving and obtaining everything that you set your heart and mind to. Uh, and because that's what I'm living today, right? Everything that I have set my heart and mind to, I've obtained it. And although my seven-year-old self didn't quite have the insight about how things would play out or how we would get to this point, right? I've been able to do it. And my dream, you know, it doesn't stop here. That's another thing that I like to talk to people about. Giving yourself permission to be and to become. If you're not at the place where you desire to be today, okay. Make steps to get to that place, right? And if it takes baby steps, it's still worth it, right? So that's what I would tell her. I love it. Tamika, if you had a thank you list, and I know you mentioned a lot your faith, and of course the twins are very instrumental in your life, but if you had a thank you list and you wanted to give a shout out to people that were like very instrumental in your journey, like who would be on that thank you list? Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, I definitely have to add uh, my mother uh, to that thank you list. I would have to put um, my a couple of my best friends who have just been vital. Uh, some have been on the journey longer than others, uh, but they've all played an important part. And so Pooh, <laughs> that's who, what I call her. Her name is Monica. Uh, Evan has definitely been instrumental. Uh, as I think about Beyond that, I've had some other people who've also played great parts in my life, like my circle of influence, my mentors. I have such a diverse set um, who have just been amazing along my journey, um, providing space to um, allow for me to show up and show what I'm made of, advocating on my behalf, uh, and that would definitely be Laura and Rich and so many others, Karen, like the list goes on and on. I have quite the circle of influence and had it not been for my circle, I again would not be able to stand in front of you today because it truly takes a village, not just to raise a child, but in my opinion, also to cultivate an amazing leader. So I could not say, right, as I think about this journey, especially on my career path, and say that Tamika did it by herself. There's no way that I would say that. 
And so, yeah, it's a few. I'm going to take that like quote with me. It takes a, and everybody knows it takes a village to raise a child, but it takes a village to cultivate a leader. Yes. Like, wow. Wow. I love it. Tamika, is there anything on your journey that I haven't asked you about that you'd like to share with like our audience? I think you touched a, a lot of the journey. <laughs> For sure. I think one of the things that I would want to leave the audience with is to be encouraged. Don't be dismayed by the challenges that you see in front of you. Know that if you don't concede too soon, your victory does await you. And the thing is, you are worth obtaining the dreams and desires that you had. And quite frankly, the world needs you to, right? The world needs you to show up as your best self. Because what I've learned along my journey is that these things that I have been through, some very, very hard, they were necessary and they were bigger than me. So my journey was also to help others. And so just know that you stand in the fight and obtaining the things that you desire will be the thing that also inspire others because you will have people that come to you that need your encouragement, that need to know that you were able to make it through those hard moments and still obtain your dreams and your desires. Well, I'm definitely very, very encouraged by this whole conversation. And I'm sure very many people will be too. So I just want to really thank you for taking time to have this conversation with me and for just being vulnerable and sharing your journey and just showing up as your very authentic self. So thank you very much, Tamika. Thank you. This has been such an honor. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Spirit Mental Podcast. As always, you can catch the video version of the interviews on our YouTube channel at Spear Rehabilitation. Don't forget to follow us on our social media, Facebook and Instagram at Spear Rehab. See you next week for another inspiring conversation with an amazing human.